Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ken Griffey Jr. growing up, his favorite player. He slices that one into left field and a base hit. His first major league hit. And a line drive into left field and his family more than a little excited. What a moment for them to be here to see that happen. Get him the ball. Here it comes in. It's so nice when you meet these kids that, you know, they, they, they go, that's it. There you go. Nice shot. All right. hit to left. He's there on again. Go. His sixth major league hit. He's Look. six for 14. This kid's a, a little something for the power. Look at the parents. Look how happy they are. But I like that. High fly, deep center field, turning around Ellsbury, and that is off the wall. The run is in to score. Benettini puts on the brakes at second. The SEC with 20 homers. Knocked down by Teixeira. It rolls to Castro and will not be able to get him at first base. And Benintendi is on again. Well, he is uh, very quickly tonight becoming a crowd favorite. 3-2 running going. High fly ball deep down the right field line. That looks like number one deep into the corner. Gone! The first major league home run for Andrew Benintendi. He hits it in Detroit at Comerica Park. Off of the crack of the bat with two outs. Kimbrell deals. Bregman in the air. Left field. Benintendi dives. And he makes the catch. Oh, what a play. Game saver. Andrew Benintendi. The Red Sox win on a spectacular catch by Benintendi in left field. Wow. What a game. What a finish. The guts it takes to make that play. If it gets by him, it's over. Game's over. For six outs at some point. That is hit hard in the air to left back. At the wall, a leaping grab by Benintendi. And another loud out this postseason that this Red Sox outfield is able to haul in. What a catch. Yeah, not the easiest position to play when you got that big green wall right there. We asked him about it today. Have you gotten used to it? Are you used to all the bounces and everything that that wall provides or presents? And he said, no, not exactly. He said, because there's a ladder, there's, there's the numbers, it takes crazy bounces. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. 
Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to Friday's edition, episode number 15. It's definitely, definitely feels good to be in this position with this podcast, seeing the success it is getting in the local community, which is much, much appreciated by myself and everyone over here at Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for your contribution, your time, and your energy. As I was about to hit record on this episode, again, major NFL news breaks. But first, I cannot ignore the fact of what happened with the Red Sox over the past 36 or so hours. And that is the Andrew Benintendi trade between the Royals and the Mets. So the Red Sox, Kansas City Royals, and the New York Mets completed a three-team trade, and I'll briefly just run over what the trade is right now, where the Royals will acquire outfielder Andrew Benintendi in cash from the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox will get outfielder uh, Franchi Cordero and two players to be named later from the Royals. Right-hander Josh Winchowski, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Josh Winchowski, and a player to be named later from the Mets where the Mets will get outfielder Khalil Lee from Kansas City. So, Red Sox get five players in return, one being a major league ready outfielder, one being a soon-to-be-ready you know pitcher with a lot of strong promise. And then we get three players to be named later, which if anyone doesn't know what a player to be named later is, that is where two teams decide on a list of six to 12 players, I believe, six or 12 players, that they both agree upon. Um, so let's say player one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way down to 12. And the team receiving this player to be named later will have up to six months to determine which player they would like to acquire in that deal. So right now, the Red Sox only have two players in return for the Benintendi trade. However, they will be getting three additional players once the player to be named later is determined, hopefully come midseason. Um, Six months from now would bring us to August, but I'm sure that'll be determined by Haim Bloom and the Red Sox front office sooner than later. This one hurts. This one really, really hurts. And me personally, I was a big fan of Andrew Benintendi when the Red Sox drafted him in 2015 with the seventh overall pick at the in the draft where they sucked um, the year before. They took him. I loved the pick. He was a center fielder at the time. Um, really good swing. He could really field. Uh, I think his fielding is so underrated, but that's probably his best part about his game is that he's a tremendous fielder. He has a cannon of an arm, and he's clearly versatile being a center fielder, and then obviously he was playing left field for us because we had Bradley Jr., who was just a better center field defender. But yeah, overall, this one really hurts. This really hurts. Uh, he finished, Ben Benintendi finished second in the American League Um, In the American League Rookie of the Year voting in 2017, falling behind Aaron Judge, uh, who well-deserved it, by the way. Um, In his rookie year, he hit 271 with 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases in 151 games. So his first full year was uh, very, very good, very, very promising. Uh, Hopefully, you were able to watch and listen to that clip that I had in the beginning about Andrew Benintendi, just kind of briefly highlighting a few career moments he had with the Red Sox. Um, up until this point, unfortunately, last year in the COVID-19 shortened season, he 
only appeared in 14 games due to a rib injury where the Red Sox just shut him down like not even halfway through the season because he just couldn't do it anymore. Might as well just save him for next year. But obviously he's not going to be with us next year. So, uh, yeah. Moving over to uh, Frenchie Cordero, uh, the probably one of the bigger names that the Red Sox acquired with Winchowski. He's 26 years old. He made his MLB debut with the Padres in 2017, and he was a top-class power prospect. However, injuries kind of plagued him, and he's kind of really taken a huge step back. The Royals acquired him in a trade with the Padres in July of 2020, but he's only played in 16 games um, before he had surgery on a broken right hammock bone. Okay. Either way, I'm looking forward to this because... I'm looking forward to this trade. As much as I am on the fence about trading Benintendi, and I've said this before, that you can't trade both Betts and Benintendi. You can only do one or the other, and the Red Sox chose to trade Betts, so you have to keep Benintendi. However, I'm not completely against this trade. I feel like this trade, your return for Benintendi was so much more than it was for Betts, even though Betts is a far better player. And I've mentioned before that the whole contractual situation is a huge deterrent about that where uh, Betts only had one year left of arbitration so whichever team I guess in his case the Dodgers trading for him would only get one year left with him until he re-signed that contract but that's not a guarantee however in Benintendi's case he has two years left so there's more team control in that aspect Um, I don't care about the Mets the Mets got uh, prospect Khalil Lee who's 22 years old supposed to be a you know stud pitcher but uh, who knows? I mean, I could really care less, to be honest. He's pitching very well. But Winchowski, the Mets recently acquired in a trade that sent Steven Matz to the Blue Jays. So this guy was in the Blue Jays system, over to the Mets, and now to the Red Sox. He had a strong 2019 campaign at Class A and Class A advanced ball. Uh, 2.69 ERA and 24 combined appearances with 23 starts. So he is a starting pitcher. He's a right-handed pitcher, and he has a career ERA of 335 over four minor league seasons. He was the 26th-ranked Mets prospect following the trade with the Blue Jays. I think the pitching prospect could have been better, but overall, A, it's a pitcher. B, he had a he had a really good... Ooh, that was my knuckle that just cracked. He had a really good year last year, throwing a 2.69 ERA, so it's earned run average, so every time he goes in... He's going to give up 2.69 runs for a starting pitcher. That is a very good number. Um, He has a career ERA in the minor leagues of 3.35. That alone is not good, but it's not terrible, but you'll definitely take it. Uh, Like I said, starting pitcher, exactly what the Red Sox need moving forward. Are we going to see this guy this year? Probably not. We could definitely see him at some point next year, and that's what I am looking forward to the most. And then for the three players to be named later, two from the Royals, one from the Mets, there's not much to talk about in that that situation because I don't know the list of the players that the Red Sox could um, potentially acquire, nor I don't think it's announced yet from anybody involving (laughs) this news. But either way, there's the Andrew Benintendi trade. So just to recap it, Royals will get outfielder Andrew Benintendi and cash from the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox will acquire outfielder Franchi Cordero, and two players to be named later from Kansas City, right-handed pitcher Josh Winchowski, and a player to be named later from the New York Mets, where the Mets will get outfielder Khalil Lee from Kansas City. Overall, I think it's a good trade. Uh, There was an article that kind of graded these trades, and uh, 
let's see, what is it? Sportingnews.com. They graded the Royals a B plus. They graded the the Mets a B, and then the Red Sox got an incomplete grade due to the players to be named later. All that being said, though, those are my thoughts about the trade. I'm I don't really like the fact that we traded Ben Intendi, but I do like the return that we got on him, where we're getting five players this time, and for bets we only got three. However, with this five players, you know, that helps fill the minor league pool of players because your minor league has been very much slacking for the past few years after making big trades and acquiring Kimbrel, Sale, and whatnot. So your top tier prospect list is very, very thin. However, with this uh, five player trade, oh, I guess five players in return trade, you're going to be able to kind of fill that, you know, prospect in those minor league pools a little bit better. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Cordero this year because you'll have plenty of opportunity to play because we have no outfield. We have uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, Frenchy Cordero, J.D. Martinez, who's usually the DH, and Alex Verdugo. So he's definitely going to be the starting um, outfielder, whether it's left field, center field, or wherever. And I'm definitely looking forward to see if he, maybe a change of scenery can hi- kind of you know, change him back to the, the top-tier prospect that he once was, that power-hitting prospect he once was. And it will be certainly a win-win for the Red Sox if that is the case. However, those are my thoughts. I've been rambling about it. I want to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment down below your thoughts about the trade. Um, regardless of the platform you're listening, or regardless of the platform you're going to reach out to me, let me know what you thought. Was it a good trade, a bad trade, uh, a good all-around trade for everybody, a bad trade for the Red Sox or the Royals or whatever? I definitely want to hear your thoughts and opinions about that. Oh, and on a side note, if you're watching this on YouTube, give me a thumbs up if you like that little Benintendi intro montage homage thing as he is now on his way. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you will hear it and hopefully you'll be able to enjoy it as well. And maybe it'll make you want to go watch it on YouTube because it is pretty good. I did put a lot of effort into it and it was fun to make. So hopefully not a lot of big name players from the Boston teams are being traded, but definitely down the road, if they are, I will be making these more and more. If the Red Sox or any Boston team acquires a big name, I will happily do it for a player that we trade for. Okay, moving forward. Um, I do have more baseball stuff that I want to discuss here. Um, Let's see. I guess we should talk about... So, let's see. Um, Is this it? Okay, here's it. So, MLB last night, uh, ESPN I should say, released a top 100 prospect list for, obviously, the 2021 season. And there's only... Yeah, there's tons of players on here. Um, if you know some players are known, some players aren't too known by people. But let's see. Um, top, I'll give you the top five just to Wander Franco, shortstop from the Rays. He's 19. He's going to be an absolute stud. Adley Rushman, catcher for the Orioles. He's 23. He's going to be up this year and he's going to make some serious noise. He was the first overall pick a couple years ago. Uh, Jared Kalenic, right fielder for the Mariners. Stud, I think this dude's going to be the next guy. He is a good lefty-lefty hitter, lefty thrower. Um, honestly, a five-tool player in the making, I would honestly say. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, Tork- the first baseman from the Tigers, age 21. And then C.J. Abrams, center fielder for the Padres. So even after all those trades that the Padres made, they still have a top-five prospect. 
Um, other than that, there's probably not a lot of names that people would know on here, except at number 10, Randy Orizania from the um, Tampa Bay Rays. He was the player for the Rays that hit like nine or 10 postseasons home, postseason home runs, tying like the record. And yes, he was doing it as a rookie. He wasn't a full-fledged rookie as he was up for just a quote-unquote cup of coffee that year. However, this is his first full rookie season, and it's definitely interesting to see where he goes this year and if he becomes that player that everyone thinks he's going to be, that player that all the sport card investors think he's going to be, myself included. But all that being said, I do want to jump to what the Red Sox have on this list, and they only have two players on this list. So out of 100 baseball players, out of 100 top prospects, they have two of them. Now, in years past, they've had one, they've had zero, they've had like five in years past. So to see two in a shattered um, prospect pool or minor league prospect or whatever, it's good to see that they have two players. What I'm trying to say is, you know, after the Kimbrell and Sale trade, their minor league system was depleted. Uh, a lot of Not a lot of good prospects have been coming up lately, with the exception of Benintendi, Betts, and you can say Chavis even, but, you know, Chavis wasn't really a uh, top-tier prospect per se. He was up there, but he wasn't anywhere, you know, in terms of top of the top, you know. So anyways, at number 41, we have the Red Sox first prospects, and that is Jeter Downs. He's a second baseman, shortstop, shortstop by trade, uh, but second baseman is kind of what he's turning into because, you know, we have Xander Bogarts. He's locked in for the next six more seasons, five more seasons, whatever it is, and we got the Red Sox got Jeter Downs from the Los Angeles Dodgers in the Mookie Betts trade, uh, along with Alex Verdugo. So to kind of see that Jeter Downs is starting to kind of turn into that you know prospect that we acquired him to be, and to start seeing him be, get better and better, you know it's starting to turn out nicely. You know I'm starting to get a little different change of feelings, change of heart with the the Mookie Betts trade. And obviously with the Red Sox just trading Andrew Benintendi, this is definitely good to see. See that we're make, we potentially made the right move and we're acquiring the right players. Verdugo last year for the Red Sox was an absolute stud. He was awesome. But Jeter Downs and Connor Wong, the catcher, you know, kind of some question marks. But to see Jeter Downs actually kind of become the prospect and become the player that the Red Sox want him to be in the future is definitely very nice. He is 22 years old. Hopefully we see him at some point this year, but there is no rush on him. He is the 41st best prospect all throw MLB, um, entering the 2021 MLB season, according to ESPN. Moving to number 52, this is going to be a good one. Tristan Cassis. He is a 21-year-old first baseman, bats left, throws right. He's going to be a stud. I'm telling you, he is going to be an absolute stud. Him, Bobby Dahlbeck, um, Raphael Devers. There's going to be a little bit of you know confusion on the corner of the infield because you have Devers now. You probably will have Bobby Dahlbeck playing first base. So when Tristis Cassis' number is called, called up, what are you going to do? I mean, you can move Devers to DH because his third base uh, fielding skills are kind of poor. But, I mean, you don't want to do that to a young kid because Devers is still young himself. He's like 24 years old. He's in the prime of his career. But to see Tristan Cassis on here who has has a lot of raw power is so good to see because, like I said, our prospect pool has been so thin. 
for a very long time and to see not one but two players on here is very nice in addition Bobby Dahlback who got the call up last year who'll be on the team this year um, full time it's also good to see him playing as well and to kind of have a you know corner of the infield problem where you have too many too many mouths to feed too many innings to give is a good thing however if it's not handled appropriately it could be a bad thing as well so to see Tristan Cassis and Jeter Downs in the top 100 uh, Downs 41 Tristan Cassis 52 respectively is definitely promising in addition to the Andrew Benintendi trade as well so I think all things considered as much as this hurts as much as the bets trade hurt last year I think the future for the Red Sox are starting to turn to the bright side in terms of future players future prospects and whatnot however now that we have them we can't go out and trade them I think you should just keep them because I think this is going to be a rebuilding year again for the Red Sox I just don't see them competing with the Blue Jays Yankees uh, the Rays even and the Orioles look like they're getting better as well because they are a young team uh, so that AL East is really going to be tough for them I think that this year they should just kind of take a step back rebuild focus on the young guys and hey if they happen to be in uh, a spot to compete go for it but just don't be stupid about it that is everything i have to say about that oh one more thing red sox um agreed to terms with utility man marwin gonzalez on a one-year three million dollar deal um he's an infielder by trait but he's played a lot of outfield and he's a, a versatile versatile player he's a very similar to brock holt um marwin gonzalez was on the 2017 astros world series team when they won quote-unquote, won the World Series. He spent the past two years with the Minnesota Twins, having a very uh, down time with them. Hit 211 with five home runs last year in the pandemic-shortened season. However, um, in 2017, when the Astros won the World Series, he did hit 303 with 23 home runs and 90 RBIs. So the hitting is there. Oh, and plus he's a switch hitter. Excuse my stomach. Um, he's a switch hitter. He's a uh, potential power hitter. And he is a man that can play almost every position. All in all, I want to look back at a, uh, I guess, a statement that I made about the Red Sox with their subtle moves that they made weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, and that these are all good supplemental moves. However, I think the Red Sox, with this trade with Andrew Benintendi, I think is a major move. Obviously, he's a major name. And to see the Red Sox get by prospects back, to see the Red Sox have two of their prospects be in the elite class of the top 100 prospects and then to also go outside Marwin Gonzalez and make the other moves that you've made as well um, it's a very confusing sign are they rebuilding are they trying to compete what, what's their plan for 2021 I think they're kind of going to be in the middle of the road in terms of competing and tanking I don't think they're going to tank but playing poor you know 75 and uh, 87 I think uh, does that sound right yeah 85 and um, 75 and 87 I think they could finish between 75 wins and 85 wins anywhere in that 10-win ballpark. But, you know, they're making a ton of moves, which is very good to see. And they're not just sitting on their hands. They're trying to make moves to either better themselves for this year or better themselves for years to come. And as a Red Sox fan, as a fan um, looking on the outside in on a team that did very uh, poorly last year and took a huge step back in 2019, it's good to see that these moves are being made, whether it's for the current or the future. But... There's still a lot more that needs to be done with the Red Sox. Obviously, there still is a lot more that needs to be done with the current Major League roster, especially the pitching. 
and currently with the farm system. So all in all, great moves. I'm very happy with the return as of now. Obviously, we need to see how the prospects and the players to be named later turn out. But on its um, on its surface, I am happy with the Andrew Benintendi trade. As much as it hurts to see him walk out the door, I did love him a lot. However, I like this trade a lot more than the Mookie Betts trade in terms of return. However, we can't look back anymore. We can only look uh, to the future, and I think the Red Sox future is looking very bright. Uh, what do you guys think? Let me know with a, uh, a DM on Instagram or on Twitter at Merce underscore Boston ST. If you're watching on YouTube, reach out to me in the comments down below. Let me know what you think. If you haven't already and you are enjoying this video and this content, give it a thumbs up. That's just the best way to show me how um, that you're supporting and that you are enjoying this content. If you're new to the channel, please hit that subscribe button. That also means a lot to me. And if you're watching on Apple, maybe leave a five-star rating. Uh, that would be nice. That would be nice, too. Um, but, yes. So, I do want to address the NFL League major NFL news that just broke, literally, as I was about to press record. And I wanted to get all this Red Sox stuff out of the way first. Obviously, because I think being a Boston sports channel, um, sports podcast, I think that kind of takes precedent especially when a you know massive trade like this happens. And that is the Houston Texans and defensive end superstar J.J. Watt have agreed to mutually part ways. What does that mean? That means that both the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt have agreed to go their separate ways where the Texans will be releasing J.J. Watt. He was due to earn $17.5 million in 2021. However, there is no guaranteed money left on his contract that he signed a few years ago. So with him being released, that $17.5 million back in the Texans' pocket, J.J. Watt is now a free agent as he is over 30 years old. I believe he's only 31 years old, but he's going to be looking to, to win or be on a competitive team because being on the 4-12 Houston Texans is tough, especially when your star starting quarterback doesn't even really want to be there. So... It's a, it, it, I'm going to say it's a good move for the Texans because $17.5 million for one player is going to be kind of a stretch for a superstar player where you're in a rebuilding mode, whether you have Deshaun Watson or not. Um, I think this move really helps them long term because, like I said, J.J. Watt is 31 years old, and to kind of be able to use that money and reinvest it in younger talent I think is going to benefit them in the long haul. Obviously, that's coming from a non-Houston Texans fan, so a Houston Texans fan might think otherwise. But J.J. Watt did announce this news on a Twitter video. He uh, he said, "Houston, I want to hear. I want you to hear this directly from me, and I'm going to play that video for you right now." I want to do this on video, uh, as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that, because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you in the city of Houston. Um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night. Oh, well. But, uh, Every day after that, you treated me like family. 
and I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Um, the city of Houston has been unbelievable to me. It's where I met my wife. Um, it's where I've met lifelong friends and my teammates. Um, I've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people and people on the streets, people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up in my house. Um, the connection is special and I will never ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity and I've been working extremely hard, um, but at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. So that is Houston Tech, well, former Houston Texan now, J.J. Watt, on announcing him and the Texans have decided to part ways. Obviously a very sentimental and emotional video. You could hear from the sound of his voice that this hurts him. This really, really impacts him. And it's devastating because you've known Houston for 10 years of your life. That's all you've known is just one system. Obviously, you know, coaching and coordinators, you know, come and go and change. But, you know, being in town... In one city, one team for 10 years, and then kind of, you know, getting out of there, it hurts. It stings. And obviously, for Texans fans, that's going to suck and it sting. And with us, the Red Sox, um, the Benintendi and the Betts trade, you know, obviously it wasn't as long-term, but that hurts. And then Tom Brady last year when he announced that, you know, he's not going to be coming back, he was a player for us for 20 years, and that was devastating. And that really hurt, you know, got me upset and emotional. But at the end of the day, you just have to understand it. But they're doing it because for whatever reason, you know, to better their career because, you know, they didn't want to be back or whatever. And if you love a player so much, you're not going to hate them for wanting to uh, move forward with their life, try better things or go to a better opportunity. And I think that's what J.J. Watt is doing. And he's not in it for the money at this point. He's made tons of money being uh, one time or even still arguably the best defensive end in all of football. Um, obviously Aaron Donald's probably taken that mantle, but J.J. Watt's right there, right? He's no joke to be messed with, and whatever team he goes to will be um, blessed to have that kind of player. It's going to be a uh, a team in contention, obviously a playoff team. It's just we have no idea. I think the Green Bay Packers makes the most sense because he is from Wisconsin, and if you're watching, if you've seen this video, he's wearing a Wisconsin sweatshirt. He looks like he's in a, uh, a log cabin. I don't know if this is his house, a vacation home, but he looks like he's in a log cabin you know, up in Wisconsin, right? So uh, I think that's just too good of a fit for the Packers. I mean, getting a, a defensive pressure uh, like him along with that really, really good defense already, it seems too good to fit. I mean, you could, I could try to spin this towards the Patriots where they need, um, you know, passing rush uh pass pressure on the quarterback the opposing quarterback and jj watt would be a perfect fit with the patriots and if we can kind of formulate and meticulate our defense to you know improve obviously we have a lot of players coming back that were out for covid but you know they're still a little rusty so there's going to be time there and obviously if the offense improves 
I think with all these moves being made, the Red Sox, the Red Sox, the Patriots can be in competition again in the uh, AL East. Oh my goodness, in the AFC East. I got my sports all mixed up. I apologize. In the AFC East, hopefully for a wild card or the division spot, and then anything after that is up in the air, obviously, because the Chiefs are still there, the Browns are going to be there, the t- uh, Titans and you know Steelers are questionable, but I think they'll be a good team nonetheless. Um, if I was to put it down right now, I say he goes to Packers. I know on last episode I made the prediction, um, a far-fetched, way-too-early prediction that the Packers will win Super Bowl 56. If they can get J.J. Watt and another weapon for Aaron Rodgers, given Aaron Rodgers being on the team next year, I, th- I think that um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are shooing to be in the Super Bowl. Obviously, with the Bucks still in the NFC, that's such a hard bet to make. But that's still a bet that is still comfortable to make. All that being said, um, huge NFL news. And literally this broke as I pressed record, uh, as I was about to press record, actually. And here it is. That's, that's big stuff. That's the first shoe to drop in the NFL as players are going to be moving around now that the Super Bowl is over. Um, free agency is going to be starting up around the corner. The new uh, calendar league year will be starting up relatively soon. Trades are going to be made. Players are going to be released. Players are going to be signing. And next thing you know, we'll have draft night very, very shortly. All right. Wow, we're already 30 minutes in. And wow, okay. So let's uh, let's run the wheel. I love using this wheel. The wheel got a huge amount of um, positive feedback, which is absolutely awesome. I appreciate all that. A lot of work went into this wheel, and I really think this wheel is kind of help being successful and will help be much more interactive. All right, so let's give this bad puppy a spin, huh? I'm going to hit it a gazillion times just to get something really, really fresh. And if it's NFL news or Red Sox news, I'm going to be upset about it because we just talked about that. All right, here we go. Fantasy sleepers. Okay. Now, this is definitely one that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, way too early to get into a lot of fantasy stuff. I mean, fantasy football is one of the biggest, biggest forms of sports competition out there. Um, probably besides actually playing the game, right? And fantasy is so fun and so riveting literally throughout the entire course of football. And if you're not into fantasy, I would strongly suggest getting into fantasy because it's just a, a great way for you to know players or know the best players in the league. B, it gives you a great drive of competition and see it's just fun i mean it's just super fun and you know you've been doing it for a long time you're doing it for a reason if you just got into it best of luck um, i will have to admit that i did win both of my fantasy leagues this past year Woo! yes 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 um calvin ridley um was probably my it was my best player uh hands down and I can't thank him enough for that. In my big money league, thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Miles Sanders. Thank you to those three, because at least I was able to remember your three, uh, those three. Anyways, fantasy, fantasy sleepers for next year. That's tough. Ooh, I just hit the mic. I think both. I mean, we just saw Justin Jefferson go off this year. Um, a lot of leagues took him undrafted, either that or you know a late round flyer for a lot of people. And he tore it up to be a top what five six seven eight wide receiver in the league in terms of fantasy or just in terms of the nfl statistics he's a top wide receiver this year and to see him 
take off the way he did in a fantasy approach that he came out of in most drafts leads me to believe that um, one of three players, if not maybe two players, whether it's Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, or Jalen Waddle, will kind of have a similar path of success that Justin Fields has. Obviously, it depends on what team takes them, and a lot of early teams are projected to take all three of those players, so it could be more difficult, whereas the Vikings were in the middle of the first round last year taking Justin Jefferson, where they had Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen already. So it wasn't too bad of a situation for him to be in, being a rookie wide receiver. However, if Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase goes to the Jets, it could be a lot more difficult. If they go to the, if one of them goes to the Dolphins at number three, if they keep that pick, uh, say Devontae Smith goes to the Dolphins at number three, him and Tua have that Alabama connection, and they could really you know make some noise together as quarterback and both wide receiver. Uh, Jalen Waddle, he's coming off that fractured ankle. He should be okay. He's probably the one that's going to be taken last, so he could be taken the end of the top 10 early, um, you know, 10, 11, 12 range. And at that point, you can see the 49ers or maybe the Giants. Uh, Cowboys won't need a wide receiver. Uh, Lions maybe, but, you know, they kind of need a quarterback unless they're going to roll with Goff. So it's going to be really interesting to see those three wide receivers and how they play out but a huge fantasy sleeper is going to be one of those three and if I was to put my money on it I'd probably say Devontae Smith just because he's been you know playing a lot he just came off of the Heisman winning year I cannot ignore the fact that Jamar Chase is a top tier top elite wide receiver talent in the draft and wherever team he goes to we'll be blessed to have him and I'm sure that both Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase will have exceptional years and then with Jalen Waddle falling behind. But definitely one of those three guys will be a fantasy sleeper come the 2021 NFL season. And just to give you another sleeper, I think uh, uh, this is tough. This is really tough because I don't want to say a quarterback because some of the quarterbacks might not even play. Like a Trevor Lawrence, he'll, he's obviously going to play this year. Um, you could see him have similar success that Joe Burrow had, where, you know, first round, uh, first overall pick, instant starter, um, loves to throw the ball. Um, Lawrence is more of a runner than Burrow, so you'll get that aspect out of Trevor Lawrence. Being with the Jaguars, you got James Robinson, a good um, all down running back. Uh,. I, th- I think Trevor Lawrence, I mean, can you really consider the first overall pick in the draft a sleeper? I don't know. A lot of people weren't taking Joe Burrow until after the 10th round anyways, and that, that's like sleeper territory. So I could totally see Trevor Lawrence being a lot of sleepers. Plus, he's on the Jaguars, so a lot of people might not want to take him because of the quote-unquote weapons, even though they have Bishka, they got Keelan Cole, and they have, oh, what's the third guy? I can't think of the third guy. Oh, and DJ Chark, right. So all in all... I think that they have a really good chance to make something happen on offense. It's going to come down to the Jags' defense. I really don't think that AFC South is as strong as people think. Yes, you have the Titans. Yes, you have the Colts. But the ja- the Texans are going to be taking a massive step back. Can the excuse me? Can the Colts retain their success that they had this year? Potentially, depending on who their quarterback is, can the Titans keep up their success from this year? Uh, potentially depending on the moves that they make so I think 
the Jaguars could be a sneaky team. Not going to say that they're going to you know be anywhere successful, but successful. But I think they could be relatively competitive in the AFC South and maybe make a little noise in the AFC wildcard picture. Uh, probably up until the last couple weeks of the season. Now, let's do one more. So those are my two, uh, two I guess three fantasy sleepers: Chase Smith, Lawrence. Top tier, obviously draft talent, but they're rookies, so they may get overlooked. First year in the league could be tough for them, but nonetheless, you see the success that Barrow and Justin Jefferson had this year for fantasy and where they were selected in the draft. So it leads me to believe that we could see something similar with both Trevor Lawrence and Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Let's get back to the wheel here. We'll do one more. Let's obnoxiously spin the wheel. And all that clicking is me trying to spin the wheel as fast as I can. Ooh, March Madness. Okay, so I'm just going to go on a quick little tangent right here with March Madness. And to be truthfully honest, I haven't really paid much attention to um, college basketball, given the fact that football season was you know, going and now basketball, uh, I guess Celtics and the Bruins are full-fledged. Plus, my team, Kentucky Wildcats, they suck. They really do suck. And that's hard for me to kind of get engaged into something where we don't have a good local team um, being competitive because UMass Boston, UMass um, Amherst, BU, they're just not good basketball programs. And why Kentucky? I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, I know when Anthony Davis was there, that's kind of when I started to watch basketball. They were the best team at the time. And I just loved the way that they played. Kind of got hooked on that way all those years ago. However, we look ahead. Kentucky, no, nowhere near the top 25 or nowhere near the type of play that they used to have. However, this is not a Kentucky podcast. So I'm just going to you know shut up about Kentucky. But overall, March Madness... Um, hopefully we have it this year. We weren't able to have it last year. And to not have it last year, you know, kind of sucked. It really did because March Madness is one of those things that everybody, whether you know college hoops or not, you look forward to because you're able to, you know, fill out a bracket, hope that it's perfect and win a lot of money. Or you get into like some kind of league and whoever gets the most right will get money based off of how many teams that they're able to select right in their respective bracket. Me personally, it's hard to ignore uh Baylor. They're currently ranked number two. All throw NCAA basketball. Baylor being 17 and 0. I mean, they were good last year, but to see them be 17 and 0 carrying over into this year um, is very is very special to see. Especially because they're usually um, they're not a top top tier basketball team. They're not like a Ohio State. They're not like a Kentucky, a Duke, a North Carolina. You uh, see Gonzaga 18 and 0. They're always up there in um. The, the rankings but they're in the um the wcc the west coast conference and you know there's not a lot of big names over there so can you argue that they have a easy schedule sure but every year come march madness they're always in like the top uh, the elite eight or whatever so you can't really hold that against them they're in no sec or big 10 or whatever but nonetheless they're still always a team that's up there and it's you know nothing new to see them up there again this year um, it is kind of sad to see none of the big names like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina are even close to the top 25. They're all very, very trash this year. If I do have a surprise, um, 
Texas has kind of fallen off. You know, they're 13th now. They were in the top 10 before. Alabama, now I'm a big Alabama football fan, but to see them, uh, they were 10 last week. They're 11 this week. To see them kind of drop back a spot, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. 15-5, and five, I think they're going to be okay. Um, they still got to, you know, win the games that they should be winning, and they can't be losing by three to Missouri, although Missouri is a good team in themselves. But all in all, I really do like... Uh, the fresh blood, you could say, that's in the um, top 25 for college basketball. Uh, I wish Providence was in here, um, obviously being a local kid and a local team where they're actually pretty good. But let's see, where is Providence? Um, it's loading, it's loading. They're 10 and 10 right now. Oh, so they're not even going to scratch it unless they can win the division. Either way, that's my take on March Madness. I'm definitely looking forward to it and a lot has to unfold before we can really dive deep into any um, college basketball discussion. But with that being said, that's kind of where we're looking at right now in terms of college basketball, college hoops. It's definitely going to be really, really intriguing to see if we're able to have uh, March Madness again this year, unlike we were able to not have it last year. I think all signs are pointing well. All signs are pointing good for go. Uh... But definitely give me your thoughts. Who is your favorite college basketball team, whether it's right now or in general? I know a lot of people in the area do like Providence College, PC. They were in the tournament. Uh, they've been in the tournament um, in now for a few years. They reached the final four. I forget what year it was. Um, it was before I moved down here. But to see new faces such as uh, Illinois, uh Houston's been in, in and out for a little bit, but to see them 16-2 and two is very good. West Virginia, I, for some reason, I like West Virginia come March Madness, and they're just a sneaky team that can win a couple games or give like good teams a heart attack. They're in there at 14. Creighton, I remember Creighton with, uh, oh, what was his name? The shooter. His dad was the coach. Buckets, McBucket, something like that. Oh, whatever his name is. He was electric, and then he got drafted like the next year, and now he sucks. Wisconsin's back in. I mean, they fell off for a few years. They were really good when they had Frank Kaminsky as their big man, but they sucked after he left, but now he's in. Now they're in at 21. So there's a lot that's going to happen between now and obviously March Madness with it almost a month away or so. But nonetheless, it's something to look forward to, whether you're a college hoops fan or not, because like I said, you just fill out a bracket, maybe pay 10 bucks, and just kind of hope for the best, right? Well, that's definitely going to be me. I'm going to fill out a bracket, see what I can come up with, and hope for the best. Well, anyways, I appreciate everybody for downloading and everybody for listening to this episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I greatly appreciate your time, your energy, and your love and support. Um, it goes so far on the podcast and on the channel it is well, well um, appreciated, well, well acknowledged, and I absolutely adore everyone for listening and downloading, reaching out to me, giving me your thoughts, giving me your takes and opinions, and you know, telling me straight up that my takes either suck or that my take was really good. And if you want to join in on that, reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking. If you haven't already, please give this video a thumbs up if you're still watching on YouTube. That's the best way to show 
support for the channel. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition, this episode 15 of Merv's Boston Sports Talk. And hopefully everybody out there can have a safe weekend and hopefully you can enjoy your weekend. It's going to be freezing cold. Hopefully there's no snow. I know last time I checked there was supposed to be snow. Um, On Sunday there is. So um, prepare for that. We've been hammered with snow for a little bit now. Um, I'm kind of sick of it. I just want spring weather to be here. Don't forget to download, please. I love you guys. And I'll catch you in the next one. See ya. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.